Welcome back to The Big Dig. I'm Noah Coughlin, the founder and CEO of BuildUp.com, a leading source for information, data, and statistics on the commercial real estate and construction industry based here in Boston. Today, we're broadcasting from Wilmer Hale's office at 60 State Street. We're talking about PropTech. The rising number of platforms being offered for landlords and tenants is fast becoming overwhelming. How do building owners find the right mix of tech that tenants will love while boosting their bottom line. We have a great cast of panelists that just finished a conversation with the NAOP audience. Steve Weekel, Head of Industry Relations at MIT Center for Real Estate, and Leah Harsfeld, VP of Asset Management at National Development, as well as Mark Rosenthal, VP Marketing, Sales and Customer Service at HQO, and Evan Rosenberg, Director of East Coast Digital Sales for the Advisory and Transactions Technology Group at CBRE. We've continued the NAOP conversation here for our podcast listeners. Offering perspectives from across the industry, the group provides insight on how owners and developers are engaging with tenant experience prop tech. This emerging CRE tech category is starting to play an important role in properties and the value it drives for property teams. Leah, Evan, Steve, thanks for joining us. Let's start by discussing where we stand in the CRE tech life cycle and how the industry is responding to this new trend. Steve? At the Center for Real Estate, we started following this category about five years ago. And uh, really, before it was called real estate tech or Cree tech or prop tech, it didn't even have a name yet. And there were a handful of companies that were really doing incredible things with technology to change how we run the business. And that, of course, has grown grown exponentially, as is evident not only by the number of companies into the thousands and thousands, but also in the venture capital that has come into the space, which has uh, spiked recently. So we're five years into the into the cycle, and we're starting to see some uh, some consolidations. We're starting to see some failures, some acquisitions, acquihires. So, but I think we're still. If you wanted to put it in innings, we're probably in second inning maybe third inning and it also depends on which part of the technology because some of the some of the solutions are maturing and those companies are in in growth stage or even uh, later stage. And then there are other new technologies starting to get applied and companies are showing up. So you would call them uh, early, early startup. So there is a cycle. It depends on which part of it, but we're still very early overall, I would say. And I'd say to speak anecdotally on that, right? Like when we were starting out, going in to speak with ownership clients, development clients, and you'd mentioned the notion of prop tech, real estate tech, they'd look at you like you had two heads. Um, now we're at the point where people are approaching it very strategically. They're hiring VPs of innovation. They're strategically placing money into venture funds or directly into companies. So I think everybody's much more aware and savvy on the space than they were. Yeah, certainly. I, I was speaking about the tech companies, but you're right. The industry is responding in a way that they have they haven't uh, up and uh, until relatively recently. It's really early days, right? It actually reminds me of um, when I was uh, when I was at Google and and Facebook was just starting to run advertising and become a big competitor. And we would hear from customers all the time. I know I need to buy it. I'm just not sure why or how to measure it, right? And I feel like we're in the same sort of space here with um, uh, with commercial real estate tech, where there's an uh, an understanding of the of the need, but uh, but less of an understanding of exactly the why behind it, how to measure it, how to drive uh, how to drive impact from it. As we've seen from 
the big tech companies like Facebook, that'll come. Um, but I agree with you, Steve. I think we're I think we're still you know first or second inning in this game. And, and Leo is a property developer and an owner. When did you start seeing this as not just a just a fad? Yeah, I would say <clears throat> in the past 24 months, really. Um, it was noise before, and now it's um, here, um, and I think it's here to stay, and we need to figure out what that means for us and how to navigate it. Um, and I would say it's before the first inning. <laughs> Feels very early. Yeah. So what value do these new technologies bring to the table for both landlords and tenants? Sure. So um, being on the owner side, I, I sort of put these technologies into two different buckets. Um, one is really how does it make our people and our staff and our systems operationally more efficient? So and then how do we you know leverage those people's time to do other things? So one is really operations and efficiency. Um, and then the second piece is tenant engagement and how do we make our customer client experience better through the use of technology? Yeah, for us at HQO, as we think about it, we think about sort of three phases of value that we hope we can deliver to uh, to the industry and to landlords. The first is, as you said, Leah, enabling a great tenant experience through software. So taking all the great stuff that you're doing on your properties and adding the software layer on top of that to make it easier for tenants and their employees to engage with um, with the property, right, and engage with the physical with the physical space. Second is to develop and amass a lot of data that you can use to make more data-driven decisions about your uh, about your assets and your portfolio in terms of everything from amenity procurement to tenant curation and mix to retail uh, and, and leasing. Um, and then lastly is to drive asset value and net operating income, right? Whether that's through, uh, through efficiencies or through new revenue streams, we think there's a lot of value there. Once you have that data, exactly. Um, very well said. I think to piggyback off that from CBRE's perspective, you know, when we speak to ownership and development clients, right, it's about doing everything that they do already more efficiently um, and catering to their customer base and understanding the needs of the marketplace and kind of building products that allow them to deliver better in terms of more timely delivery, um, better marketing experiences. For the tenant, it's playing into a lot of these buzz, buzzwords around savviness with workplace. Um, they're more involved than they ever have been in terms of understanding their needs as an occupier, seeking out space, uh, partaking in the space planning and workplace design, um, and building an experience that will ultimately allow them to retain and attract talent. So that's really where we're building solutions around is kind of building into both sides of that ecosystem and making it much more streamlined and efficient. So how do you measure success with these apps? Obviously, tenant engagement may be up, um, but that's a hard thing to necessarily measure. So how are you determining if these uh, new technologies are successful? For us at HQO, we're looking at um, we're looking at a number of different metrics, starting with um, starting with building saturation or building penetration. So, what percent of the building population is using the app, and more importantly, how are we getting to those numbers? At what point do we get to sort of the the, the viral spreading of the app versus the really heavy lift hands on um, 
you know, first part of the deployment where we have to get users to, to download, right? So we see that once we get to 15 or 20% of the building population having downloaded the app, there starts to be this, you know, this uh, waterfall effect and this viral spreading of the technology where, uh, where users recommend to one another. So that's our first measure. The second measure is how often are they engaging with the app and what features are they using. So uh, we want to understand for different types of properties what you know what's driving engagement for users and how often are they coming back and, um, and interacting with the, uh, with the software. And then ultimately uh, we'll be able to, to amass enough data to really understand tenant satisfaction through the through the software today a lot of landlords do that through surveys right kingsley or or otherwise um you know and maybe in v1 of the uh of the software enabled world those surveys are administered to the 99 percent of the population that doesn't really participate today um and done directly through the app and then longer term you can gauge tenant satisfaction just by the actual behavior um that you're that you're seeing in the in the software itself I would say we're in the very early days of our tenant-facing apps, but to your point, we're basically just monitoring usage, right? We can see whether it's with our Calc or our Spacer products that are directly tenant-facing products to enable them to understand and seek spaces more efficiently. You could just see the usage spiking. Um, you can also see more and more clients coming back to us for other products, other information that have used existing products. So that's kind of signaling to us that there really is a need for this type of thing, whether it's experience within a building, experience finding space, experience planning space. So there's definitely a need. Um, it's just about building the right things. The, some of these are, are interactive where we need the human as the sensor, but some of them are also passive. There, there are other, uh, there's another category of software that's following. They're either using beacons or the pass, passwords or monitoring our cell phone traffic through the Wi-Fi. What, um, do you think there will be a convergence of those types of, of, of the human as a sensor versus the kind of passive version? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Go ahead, Evan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think it's all information, right? I think um, building spit-off information, individual tenants spit-off information, um, all that stuff is going to converge and ultimately provide insights. So I think that there's going to be, you know, as we've seen with other technologies and in other industries, even in our, in our own industry, um, I think that in order for them to be most powerful, you know, they'll all have to be connected in some way. I think the challenge there is going to be extracting signal from noise, right? Because you're going to get a lot of data from the building. You're going to get a lot of data from the user. You're going to get a lot of data from the landlord, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you, you know, how do you parse through that and come out with the most important, compelling data or the most important, compelling insight that you can ultimately decision off of? Leah, are you wiring your buildings as well? Yes. Yeah. We are. So the buildings are smart, and then these this engagement is smart, and there's but there must be a convert. Ultimately, there's going to be a convergence. Yeah, we would hope so. Right now, they're speaking two different languages. <clears throat> <but>. Yep. <laughs> so, how are these apps changing uh, interactions, and are your organizations adjusting roles accordingly uh, to meet those demands? Yeah, again, since we're on the early stages of this, um, I would say that's going to happen. Um, it hasn't necessarily happened yet. I can tell you um, from the tenant engagement side, um, absolutely, we've had to staff differently. The way we think about property management and how um, the staffing role around our off-site or on-site for the tenants um, 
communities are built, you know, property management has typically been reactive and now it's much more proactive. It's about being part of a community and, you know, the skill set for who's going to run that community versus, you know, the, the old school way of thinking property management, you know, the, the light bulbs out, who's going to fix it is just really different. So just from the tenant experience side, how we're, how we're thinking about that. I mean, national development in the past six months um, has a community engagement manager that role that title that person never existed before and by the way I think we probably need three more of this person um, so the way that we're staffing and thinking about um, how we what dollars we need to spend in order to help curate a lot of this stuff for our tenants is is in the early stages but we're figuring we're figuring that out and then the other piece of it is really just on the technology side and how do we how do we speak that same language and how do we make sure we're understanding um, what's even available to us and sorting through all of that um, is a challenge because it takes time and um, we don't we don't necessarily speak that language today yeah I think to, to piggyback off of your point of being you know proactive versus reactive right or, you know it's gone from the mentality and, and I said this earlier but Brandon Reber really I've, I've heard him coin this of, of a tenant to a customer right it's it's the lingo and it's it's really indicative of kind of where the industry is going in terms of the tools and the platforms available and you know from a service provider standpoint right CBRE obviously is staffing the company differently both through acquisitions of companies like ours um, and just building platforms but you know the industry has shifted based on the needs of the tenant right the 10-year lease, which was usually the only standard, is no longer the only standard. There's shorter terms, there's flexibility, there's other things that have been brought to the table, thus leading to more touch points with a client like us, right? And and more opportunities to bring differentiated value to the table. So I think as these things change, staffs will change both from the service provider as well as from the end clients to address that, that growing need. Yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, we've we've seen this happen in lots of other industries, right? Where the um, where the role uh, where technology enables change in the role. I mean, look at the banking industry and the uh, and the invention of the ATM, right? Tellers weren't eliminated, but their role changed into more high functioning, strategic type of work at the at the bank, right? We're going to see the same. I believe we're going to see the same thing with lots of groups in commercial real estate, right? Starting with property management creating this role of tenant experience or community manager that um, that you've just created at, at National Development, Leah. Um, and we're seeing more of that across other landlords as well, right? It's just a cha- it's a new skill set and a changing skill set for a lot of for a lot of customers. So one of the things you guys spoke about at the event earlier was uh, security surrounding all this data, um, who owns the data and you know what it's being used for. Um, Mark, I believe you said that you guys don't own the data, the landlords own the data. Can you talk about that for a couple minutes? Yeah, for sure. So we, as I said before, you know, if you think about those three sort of pieces of value that we hope to deliver to the market, a, a phenomenal tenant experience enabled through software, a, a data-driven decisioning for capabilities for landlords and asset value and NOI drivers, the data is sort of the linchpin that keeps all of that together. And it's our belief that the landlord should own the data about their customers, about their end users, then about that 99% of the people that come into the building every day. Um, 
Not every landlord is set up to do that today. Not every landlord wants to do that today. There's a lot involved in owning your own data. You have to establish a privacy policy. You have to make sure that your data is compliant. You have to think about um, things like GDPR that you know landlords typically haven't had to even uh, consider or, or, or look at before. And now you have to have a deep understanding and policies and protections against. So it's a... Um, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a lift, but um, the payoff is is worth it. We believe. Yeah, I mean, I would say that there's a big trend just in general of democratization of data, yeah. right? Where um, there's a big movement just around data and using it more effectively, and it's been spreading. And um, you know, CBRE obviously being on the side of many transactions, oftentimes on both sides of the transaction, just has access to so much data. Um, from landlords, from tenants. So uh, using that um, to help advise clients is big and, and kind of using our technology as well to both gather more data and continue to advise our clients as to what we're seeing, um, I think is really powerful. But ultimately, it's going to be really effective when you make it user friendly, right, for the end user, which we're working on, right, allowing the tenants to be able to pull in this data instantly, manipulate it, use it to inform decisions, um, and not just from CBRE standpoint, but for the landlords or the tenants to allow them to have and use this data, that's what's really powerful. Yeah, I actually think there's, um, you know, we talked about the role of the community manager, or the tenant experience manager. I actually think the other role that's going to become critically important is the data analyst role for for landlords, right? There is, to your, to your point, Evan, there is so much data out there coming from building systems, coming from tenants, coming from the building itself and beaconing technologies and everything else. How do you find that signal in the noise? You can't do that without somebody who understands how to parse through all that data and extract the and extract the insights. So that to me is a is an important space to watch. So for owners and developers out there that are considering getting into this space or you know getting some technology for their buildings, where do they begin? I mean, do I was just going to say that for, from my standpoint, um, and you can obviously piggyback off this, Leah, but I've seen the trend go from nice to have to need to have, right? And there's just such a slim um, area in, in which you can invest in these technologies that you really need to be careful around um, how you select them and what needs you're tackling and um, ultimately have a really diligent process around evaluating these different technologies, right? Absolutely. Um, and I'll say, <clears throat> for better or worse, um, my guess is that 99% of the real estate companies don't have those policies or practices or evaluation um, in place. Um, and we need to get up to speed and figure out how we're going to do that. So at National, um, it's been more of a trial and error. And we've been lucky um, for the most part, um, but it's it's actually overwhelming to try to put, to part to try to go through and figure out, you know, of the 300 and something um, companies, you know, where do you start? One thing I did was say, like, let's support local community. Let's look at Boston based tech startups, because that seemed like a logical place to start. You know, we're a local community developer. Um, but that theory is only going to last so long. Um, and I think there is going to become more of a process um, and a sophistication around how to identify where our needs are and match us with the right technologies to offer those solutions. It's always difficult to sort through that list of so many different companies, and there's risk involved with that. So I think we're, we saw early on that companies were, uh, the smart companies, were identifying a specific, maybe even prioritizing pain points and identifying 
the worst pain points in their business and then saying, either asking us or reading or going to the conferences, who's addressing that problem? And then doing limited trials, trials that don't have a huge amount of downside risk but have a lot of upside risk. And then eventually, if enough people do that, maybe it becomes the industry standard. We, we know that industry standards can get disrupted pretty quickly. But that's a relatively, I, I, I guess I, I counsel people uh, to not try to do it all and not try to do it all at once uh, because it's risky and it's time consuming. Um, and then see how that trial goes and then maybe expand to the other properties and then maybe move to the next, the second or the third pain point and identify which which new companies are out there trying to uh, solve these solutions. Now, that doesn't address when you when a, when technology creates an entirely new product category that nobody had ever thought you wanted, like a smartphone. Right. <laughs> so um, you know that that it's not a foolproof system, but it's a it's a uh, measured way to uh, to dip your toe in the water. And I might also add, there's some resources for reading up on what's going on. CRETech.com has a daily newsletter. Propmodo has a, a daily newsletter. The the news the monthly I think it's a monthly newsletter from Fifth Wall that aggregates all of the articles that have come out about real estate tech and some construction tech and some uh, design tech uh, throughout the month. It's a great way to get uh, very quickly immersed in what's going on in the space so that you can begin to understand it, maybe understand what the future looks like a little bit, and be able to converse in the language. I think something that we saw as a startup, and I'm sure, Leah, you can kind of piggyback off this, um, and I empathize with this now, is a lot of the major owners and developers, when they consider implementing technology across their portfolio, um, there's inherent risk in implementing a technology that takes a lot of manpower to get going. And then, you know, you're wondering if that company's even going to be around in a couple of years, right? And that was something that thankfully, um, you know, wasn't a huge hurdle for us, but I definitely faced it when we were a startup. So there's inherent risk to that. Yeah, I'm actually laughing because Floored actually was one of my favorite technologies that, again, we sort of said, like, let's give something a try. So we tried Floored out, which um, was amazing. It gave us a real advantage in the market in terms of space planning with tenants. And sure enough, nine months later, they got bought and became proprietary to CBRE. So for better or worse, um, you know, I think the, the life cycle of these companies is, is likely short. And so you have to also be careful about where you put your eggs and not putting them in a, you know, filling one basket with too many. Um, because if you don't have control over that and all of a sudden, you know, your tenants or your whoever you're working with fall in love with a certain technology and then you can't provide that anymore, there's some risk associated with that. Um, did you find another solution or did you start working with CBRE? Um, we have not found another solution. There's a few out there that I just don't think were as good. Um, and so we're going without it for now. Um, and I will say we miss it. We miss you too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for our final question, um, I would just ask where do all of you see the future for CRE Tech? Mark, you wanna start? Sure. Um, as we talked about before, I think we're sort of in the you know in the first inning or the early inning here, and there's a lot of uh, there's a, a, a long way to go. We still need to really establish the um, you, you know the the value for all of these different technologies, the measurement for what they can drive in terms of increased leases, increased retentions. We haven't even been through a full cycle with a lot of these uh, with a lot of these softwares yet, so we need to we need to see that. Um, we need to figure out which 
integrations are going to be the most impactful across the industry. Um, so there's a lot of work to do, but I think that uh, the baseline has been pretty low up to this point. And so we've got a, you know, we've got a tremendous opportunity to go in a number of different directions to empower the industry with, um, with data and technology, remove friction, create a better user experience and a better owner experience, um, and drive the, and drive the ecosystem for the positive. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're in the very early stages, obviously still, you know, this is the largest asset class in the world. Um, it's ripe for disruption. Um, there's a lot that's going to happen that needs to happen. Um, I think that there's going to be more consolidation, um, not just our acquisition. You're even seeing like the VTSs and the high towers coming together. Um, more and more companies will combine so that everything is almost interconnected. Um, I think there's a world in which, you know, prop tech doesn't even seem that different from the other technologies out there, right? Like Uber is going to talk to your building and your tenants and autonomous vehicles are a big thing we haven't talked about. That's something that major real estate developers and owners are really starting to think about. Uh, because all these things are going to be intertwined and interconnected. So I'm just really excited for it. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel lucky to be at such, you know, an early stage and be part of this movement. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I would echo that and say as a, as a user and a consumer, um, I would love to see some consolidation. I think that will happen. Um, and also some streamlining because um, there's just so many different technologies here. Um, and I think the VTS Hightower one was is a really good example because we were piloting both and trying to figure out like, you know, which one do you go with? And then we're like, oh, thank God, you know, one bought the other and, and now there's a solution in place. Um, but I think um, uh, some consolidation and also some streamlining where all the things, you know, can be incorporated into, you know, the iPhone or whatever the, the next technology is going to be, I think is, is where this is headed. I think the secret is out now to the tech world that the real estate industry is the largest asset class in the world. And somehow we stayed off the radar for all these years. And so now with every new technology, there will be companies that will be formed out of those technologies that will continue to impact the real estate industry. I don't think we can, we can no longer uh, hide out on that. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, inevitable. And so um, when we hear about the latest, coolest technology, whether it's blockchain or autonomous vehicles or, or uh, machine learning or mixed reality, every time there's a new technology that gets developed in some other part of the, of the innovation ecosystem, it has implications for real estate. And so so it will continue to change and it'll change faster and more significantly as we move forward. Great. Thank you all so much for joining us here on The Big Dig. Thanks for Thank having you. us. This episode of The Big Dig is brought to you by BuildUp's In The Know. This new data analytics platform helps businesses and commercial real estate connect with new owners and new opportunities. Be sure to check out buildup.com, that's B-L-D-U-P.com for the latest real estate development and CRE news. Also visit naopma.org, that's N-A-I-O-P-M-A.org to learn more about joining the leading commercial real estate association in the Boston area.